So, men and women, it is something that the world longs for. It's something that when you find it, it is contagious and even sometimes a bit intoxicating. Um, it's something that Jesus is full of and so much wishes that his church was full of. It's something that people just do so much to find and feel like they get so little. It's like grabbing water out of a pail and trying to hold on to it. And what am I speaking about? It's this crazy word, joy. God's joy. I'm not just talking about happiness, okay? It's not like for those of us watching the World Cup on Saturday and the U.S. team scored that goal, and we thought, man, yeah, I'm, maybe they can get back into it. And like that happiness faded like that. And tonight I'm not interested in giving just sort of like a rah-rah talk or, or a, a pep talk on joy. I want us to capture more than just the season of Christmas and the fact that if you follow the church calendar and if your church does what's called an Advent candle, actually this Sunday the third candle is the candle of joy of Jesus Christ coming into the world. We'll talk a little more about that. So this idea of joy, I want to share um, a disturbing, um, disturbing quote that has just plagued me for so long. And, and this quote is this. This individual said, What made you so negative against Christianity? A friend of Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche was the sort of the philosopher thinker that created sort of the Superman, superhuman um, type of thinking that actually Hitler bought into. Listen to what Nietzsche answered. Why was he so negative about Christianity? His response was, I never saw the leaders of my church enjoying themselves. I don't think that's God's heartbeat for the church, for the individual. That there is an element of this life that God has given us that has an amazing sense of joy, an amazing sense of the wonder of God. So I want to apologize because I didn't clearly communicate because I have a number of quotes that I'm going to share tonight. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Sam post my entire notes on our young adult um, Facebook, okay? So you don't have to sit here and try to write, 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 and all that, but you've got some notes here. But I've got some quotes, so just follow with me. So I want to start with a quote that I've created of defining what joy is. Here's what I've said. Joy is not the absence of pain. Wow. It's not just having this comfortable life. Nor is it the abundance of pleasure. So joy is not all these pleasures and feel-goods and adventures and adrenaline rushes. No, that's not joy. Joy is the reality and experience of God's presence, person, and goodness in our lives. Do you hear that? It's experiencing God's presence, his person, whatever that means, and his goodness. And we're going to unpackage that goodness tonight. So I want you to hear that. That it's not just this idea of chasing comfort and everything's under control and I'm just living in such a pleasurable state. No, no, no. It's far more 
focused on God. So let's dig into the scriptures. We're going to look at five scriptures very quickly. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. This is a very familiar passage. You know what? It's your turn. I'm going to do something a little embarrassing. I left my glasses in my coat pocket. <laughs> and I cannot read my Bible without those bad boys. There we go. So this is the familiar Christmas story. You know it well. The shepherds are on the hill. They're just sort of minding their own business. They're tending sheep. Okay? So we're in Luke chapter 2, and what happens? This night just explodes in the sky, and these shepherds are absolutely undone. I'm looking at verse 9. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So they were just freaking out. What's going on? The sky is just coming alive. And then the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there have been born for you. Speaking to the shepherds, speaking to us tonight. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Did you hear those words? Good news of great joy. Why would that be good news to them? These are shepherds who are living in a time of Roman occupation. So it's not a great time for Israel. They're experiencing all the hardships of taxation, slavery, and just being a persecuted minority. Plus, in the life of God's people, Israel this time, they haven't heard from God for centuries. God, through his prophets, have just been quiet, crickets. And all of a sudden, on this hillside, these angels just explode into our, our realm and announce this good news, this great news of joy that God is providing a Savior, needing, meaning Christ the Lord. Welcome to Christmas. Now turn ahead to John 15. So now we see in Jesus Christ that he is that good news, that great joy. But listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, especially verse 11. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in me, abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So you see that, that relationship, that rootedness, between the Father and the Son, and Jesus saying, abide in me and keep my commandments. Now what does he say? These things, i.e. keep my commandments, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. I have to be honest. I don't fully understand what Jesus means when he says, my joy. The beautiful thing is when you look at the person of Jesus as revealed through the scriptures, you're not lacking moments and incredible snapshots of Jesus, Jesus being a pretty joyful individual. How do we know that? Children love being with them. Children just want to hang with them. And here's the crazy thing. It was the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the down and out, the nobodies, 
who just were attracted to Jesus. There was something about him that people just wanted to be around him. He had this presence about him. And we see, and that's why I love seeing all these different film portrayals. The most recent, The Chosen, as it portrays Jesus, in a sense, being really human, laughing, having fun at a party, enjoying the people around him. So Jesus has this amazing joy that's part of who he is. But what's he say here? What's he say to us tonight? He says that your joy may be made full. I am so glad to hear that statement. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of my life where I feel like I'm just out of step with this joy thing. I have to tell you, this afternoon after lunch, I received a phone call from a friend who in the last month in his workplace has had some questionable allegations stated against him. And later on this week, he's going to hear the investigation, and he could not only lose his job, but it could ruin his reputation. And I got off the phone with my friend. I just felt just the weightiness and his fear and anger. And then Connie and I were listening to a podcast that was just tackling a really controversial issue that I'm not even clear in. And so with those two things happening, I found myself just thinking about tonight, doing some last-minute thoughts. And I have to be honest with you. I just had to pause for some moments and just center myself with the Lord and say, Lord, i got to speak on joy tonight. But right now I'm not feeling a lot of joy because of what my friend's going through and the fact that I'm, I'm really struggling with this issue we've just listened to. My point is, Jesus says, I'll make my joy full in you. That's a promise. That's a reality. Is it going to be 100%? Not until we see him face to face, and I'm rid of this incomplete sinful body in this broken world. But in the midst of it, Jesus says, I'll make my joy complete. All right, let's keep digging in there. Turn to Psalm 16, verse 11. And again... Feel free to take notes, but all of what I'm sharing here, I'm going to shoot back to our Facebook page. I love this psalm of David. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. Right there, men and women, that has nothing to do with joy and everything to do with Jesus being your guide, your captain, your Lord, your Savior. Right there, for those of you right now who are saying, I don't know what the heck my future is. Lord, I don't even know what next, next year is going to be like. Claim that verse right there. But keep reading. In your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. There again is David talking about this amazing God who makes known the fullness of joy because of his presence. So when we're gathered, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, I'm in your midst. So tonight, we got a lot more than two more, and Jesus is in the midst. When we dismissed our small groups, Jesus is present, and there's joy in that. When you wake up to the sunrise and just say, this is amazing, the full moon tonight, Jesus and his presence is in our midst. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your, close your, everybody close your Bibles and put your phones on the table. We're going to do what's called a sword drill. 
Anybody know what a sword drill is? A few? Okay. Sword drill means, oh, Brian, chill out back there, okay? You're so old, you know what a soldier, a sword drill is. Sword drill means the word of God is a sword. It's, it's the knife that cuts in Hebrews 4.12. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you a scripture passage. When I tell you go, the first person to find this passage stands up, and then you're going to read that passage at each of your tables, whoever finds it first, okay? So first person to find this passage, hands, hands on your laps. No, no, not down. Hands on your laps. Are you ready? This is a toughie. Ready? Zephaniah 317. Go. Come on. At your tables. Whoever finds it starts reading it at your table. Go. Zephaniah, Old Testament, near the end of it. Read it. Way to go. Read it. No, no, to your group. Just to your group. If you got it, read it. Who's got it? Come on. You can't look at the table of contents. All right, somebody. Read it at each of your tables. <clears throat> Verse 17. Zephaniah 317. Read it at your tables. All right, give you 10 more seconds. Keep reading. <laughs> okay. I have to tell you, Zephaniah, it's like it's three chapters. It's not an easy book to find. And probably none of us have ever heard a sermon out of it, though it's got some great stuff. Zephaniah 317. I am so excited to share this verse with us. Let me read it to you. The Lord your God is in your midst. That's the presence of the Lord. A victorious warrior. Now, that's Old Testament language describing Yahweh, okay, the, Lord, uh, the commander of the Lord's army, all right, the, the Lord. But Jesus is certainly victorious, so we're not going to question that. Now, listen, he will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Men and women, look in that verse, he will exalt over you with joy. The Hebrew word for that exalts over you is literally, you ready for this? It means to dance. Think of that. In God's exuberance, joy, delight in you. It says he dances over us. Sorry, we're the church. We don't do the dancing thing. But that's what it says there. Do you feel just the life, the merriment, the excitement? God just says over his people, over us tonight, he will exalt over you with joy. He will dance over you with joy. And then it says, it's almost like, what? He will be quiet in his love. I, I appreciate that. I sometimes just need to experience the quietness of his love, let alone the dancing of his joy. And then he finishes by saying, he, the Lord, will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. 
Hear that tonight, young adult family. That's how the Lord feels. And maybe there's a day when we're not here on this earth, we are present in the Lord in the new heavens, the new earth, and we will hear those shouts of joy. Maybe we'll be the chorus that joins that. Now, I get excited about that verse. So you're sitting here saying, oh, this is good, Fritz. It's pretty close to a pep talk. Um, God's all about this joy thing. So how do I grow joy? How do I get joy? And so you're probably thinking, oh, man, i got to make joy. I've got to manufacture it. i got to find, find something that's joyful. Or I maybe, like the good church thing, I fake it. Oh, how are you doing? I'm fine. Nice, nice. We're not Minnesota nice. We're not far behind. Here's the beautiful thing. I don't care where you are in your joy quotient tonight. One, you just are at the bottom. There's so much crap going on in your world. You are so weary. You're so beat up. You're so angry. You're so hurt. There ain't a lot of joy. And you're in a four or five zone. I don't care where you are in this, this gradient. Here's the incredible thing. This idea of joy that I'm speaking about tonight is not something that you have to make it or fake it. And we're not going to turn to it, but that's why the last verse is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, where Paul talks about what's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's really amazing. So when a man or woman becomes a Christ follower, crosses the line of faith, gives their life to Jesus, is found by God, they, Jesus comes and enters and dwells in them, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us that moment you begin that lifelong love relationship with Jesus. So that's true. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit provides this fruitfulness in and through us. So the Holy Spirit is what grows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Did you hear what the second fruit was? Joy. So tonight, regardless of where we're at with joy, our first posture, our first gesture is say, Lord, I beg you for the joy of the Holy Spirit. I beg you to just grow and, and just deepen this fruit of joy in and through my life. Whether you're at a one or you're at a five, we ask for it and we receive it. That's what Galatians is talking about. Oh, I'm so glad. I don't have to pretend. Oh, Fritz is a joyful person. Here's the other thing. Be really careful that you don't equate joy with a particular personality or outwardness. So I'm just, I'm the donkey, baby. Just give me a party and a good time. I'm joyful, all right? Listen, there's plenty of us in this room who are introverts. We're quiet. We're not real comfortable in big crowds. And you need to know that the Holy Spirit loves to provide joy apart from our personalities or our wiring. That's so good. All right, you don't have to write these down, but I'm going to share some quotes and then talk about some joy robbers. Here's a quote. Rick Warren says, Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Did you hear all there? The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and I have the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I like that. Listen to this one. The Christian is a person of joy. 
The Christian is the laughing cavalier of Christ. I looked up cavalier. Cavalier is one who is a supporter or an attendant to the king. The Christian is the laughing cavalier of Christ. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connections with black cloths and long faces. William Barclay said that. Sounds similar to Nietzsche's criticism. Okay, now grab your notes. Let's talk about some joy robbers. All right? Some joy robbers. Number one, and most of us go, yeah, oh yeah, get this one for its busyness and the lack of margin. Busyness and the lack of margin. Flip Wilson said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And men and women, I'd love to preach at you until you get your act together. I struggle with this as much as you do. But how do we fight the busyness? How do we fight the lack of margin that keeps us from slowing down? Remember the old silly phrase, slow down and smell the roses? Slow down so you see what God's doing at your workplace, at your school, with your family. But busyness can just so rob us of not only our attentiveness, but just the energy to say, God, what are, you, what are you doing? Show me the joy that's happening in my life. Number two, unresolved or uncontrollable situations resulting in battle fatigue. Some of you know what that's in, that is tonight because an unresolved or uncontrollable situation can be a health situation. Or you have parents who are struggling with health. It could be a job that just sucking the life out of you right now. Not much joy. Or maybe you're just really struggling financially. That's a joy robber. Okay? Or it's a broken relationship. But it's a situation that just wears on you. And you just feel this weightiness, this battle fatigue. And just know God loves to live in the midst of those times of battle fatigue. Here's the third one, living in the past. Some of us are prisoners to things that have happened in our past, maybe recently or a long time ago, that just keep us beating ourselves up, not seeing God as being good, life's not fair. And what happens is, when you're living in the past, it's like trying to drive your car by always looking in the rearview mirror. Now, I don't mean to say that you don't need your rearview mirror, but if you're going to go forward, you've got to look out the windshield. You can glance at the rearview mirror, windshield. And for some of you, maybe tonight, you just say, Lord, help me stop looking in the rearview mirror so much. Next one, distractions. Things that are, I call them sideways energy. Chasing self. It's all about me. Pleasures. Man, I just want to feel good. I just want the cheap escape. Things. It's Christmas. I want this. I want the new iPhone 14, whatever. It's the thing that you're chasing. Or your image instead of chasing God. And this last one, man, I wrestle with this. It's a loss of, of wonder and mystery in the magic of life and with God. And men and women, let's just admit that we don't know everything. Not everything is certain. 
that there's some things that I will never have a good explanation. There's just a mystery there. Or there's wonder that I just can't explain, but it's just overwhelming me with a sense of being small or just full of amazing thanksgiving and gratitude and, oh, Jesus, this is too much. But all that God would give us as people in his church, more wonder and more uh, mystery and more of the magic of what it means to be alive and then walk with God. Well, let me give you a couple more quotes. John Orberg said, True joy comes only to those who have devoted their lives to something greater than personal happiness. Well, all of us need to hear that. But I just have to be honest, when you're in your 20s and 30s, Man, the personal happiness factor is a big one. Whether it's relationally, whether it's job satisfaction, whether it's the first car you've bought, the first home, all this stuff that the culture says is going to make us happy. Man, let's just go for it. Go for it with the gusto. And I'm just saying to you, Ortberg nailing it, that joy comes when we live and pursue something that's bigger, greater than ourselves. And then he makes one other statement. Often it is the people closest to suffering who have the most powerful joy. Wow. Some of you are shaking your head. Some of the most joyful people I have met have been in third world countries, in a high uh, mountainous village in Galeana, Mexico, Uh, a Brahmin priest who have lost everything because they came to Christ in India. And, and men and women in Western Africa who were so poor and yet shared so generously, had so much joy. Those of you who've been to Mexico and met some of our wonderful Mexican brothers and sisters know what I'm talking about. Here's my last quote. It's so good. <laughs> joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts announcing the king is in residence today. Oh, man, let's hoist the flag up high. That the flag says, man, I'm, there's joy in my life because the king is King Jesus. He's living in my heart. Not perfectly. And that joy's a little tattered, but oh, let the world, let my, my friends, let this group know that Jesus is in residence. He owns this heart because there's joy in my life. All right, let's take the home stretch here. Let's talk about pursuing joy givers. Joy givers. Well, it's simply cheering good news. Cheering good news. I just met um, some folks who were born in Colorado and are here. I don't know why you're here. Um, No. (laughs) Glad you're here. But I was in Colorado 22 years before that. Um, just lived outdoors. I owned my own landscaping business, went to Colorado and skied, and just prided myself by having what's called a raccoon tan. So we got sunglasses on, and I'd come back from a skiing day, no sunscreen, nothing. Well, guess what? I paid the piper. I've had two basal cell cancer cancer surgeries, one right here. So if you look real carefully, you can see the scar tissue in one of my ears. So what do I have to do every year? I have to go to a dermatologist. And he starts with my feet, and he ends up top here. And I'm sitting there, and I'll be honest, I'm freaking out. Because I've already had two basal cell. Connie's had a melanoma. So it's a bit of a real deal. And you know the best words? You're fine. I found nothing. That's joyful news for this man. 
cheer the good news. When Tiki and Shane got pregnant, I was so excited. And when baby Ember was, was born, that was good news. I was, I was shouting to Connie, they had their baby. Can't wait to see this little one. And now they're crazy enough to package old Ember in, and they're here every Monday night. So thank you, Tiki and Shane. We like Ember better than you, but that's okay. <laughs> Cheer good news. Feel it in your hearts. It's okay to get excited. Sometimes church is so boring. Remember the drab faces? All right, let's keep going before I get in too much trouble. Celebrate an undeserved or unexpected gift. And that could be the little, little to biggest thing, and it doesn't always have to be material. It's that person who texts you when you just so much needed it. It's coming in tonight, and you just had a really hard day, and somebody just greets you with a hug and says, I'm so glad you're here. Those are unexpected gifts, folks. That's, that's, that's what we pursue and celebrate those and say, thank you so much. Finding something that allows you to feel God's pleasure. I love that. And that's stolen from Chariots of Fire when Eric Lindell talks about what, what's important. Why is he so committed to running? And for those of you who have seen the film, he says, when I run, I feel what? I feel God's pleasure. And I've shared with you in some other settings that when I swim, I feel God's pleasure. I love open water lake swimming. I've swam in rivers too. And when I, had to, I was swimming in October, the water was 52 degrees. It was chilly. That's an understatement. And I, I like the backstroke. And I'm just sitting there, and the sun was setting in the sky. I was just looking at the sky, and I just felt like I was looking at the face of Jesus. And I just felt so alive. I felt, felt such joy in something that's physical. I don't care if it's physical or what have you. Do you do something where you feel God's pleasure? It could be listening to music. It could be building something. It could be writing something. I don't know. But maybe there's things going on in your life that bring you a whole lot of pleasure, and you don't understand that God is the author of it. You connect those two, that's joy. Woo, bring it. All right, this one's fun. Having God's eyes and seeing life and people as he does. Having God's eyes and seeing life and people as he does. So I asked God, I seriously said, Lord, give me your eyes here. Even as I walked in this evening, I said, Lord, give me your eyes to see people you want me to say hi to. But I have to tell you what happened last week at the Y. It was too cold out for our con and I to take our walk, so we walked around the track at the Weston Y. And it was absolute bedlam. You know why? Not because of our walking. Because in one half of the gym were the preschoolers. And not three of these monster kids. There were 30 of them. And they were playing with hula hoops. You ever watch a four-year-old try to roll a hula hoop? And then they did this silly thing with like a parachute or something. Woo, woo, and all that. Stuff. But there was so much life and energy there. And I was, I was getting behind Connie because I'm walking and just looking at these kids type of thing. And then, what was so cool? On the other half of the gym were eight handicapped young men playing football. And I just, I, I stopped twice just to watch their joy. And, and they, they played better than the Chicago Bears, but not much. <laughs> but 
But men and women, to see the expression, the hugs, they, every time they did something, it was a high fire hug. I just felt and saw so much joy there. Those are the gifts that God gives. Oh, this is a great one to end with. Receiving God's gift of joy in the person of Jesus Christ, born a baby in a lowly manger. That's why I titled this The Gift of Joy at Christmas. I could give this message in July, fine, but it's Christmas. And we're living with all the noise and the trappings. And hopefully tonight, you are just in a fresh way captured and overwhelmed with this good news, this joy that God invaded this world, humbled himself and became a man, a human being, took on flesh and dwelt among us. Some translation says he pitched his tent in our neighborhood. That's the reason for the season. That's what we'll celebrate at the churches where we light the Advent candle. That's what we celebrate now, this month, here at Young Adults, is this incredible gift of joy in the person of Jesus. But I want to go one step further. One step further. It says, receive God's gift of joy in the person of Jesus Christ. I am so thrilled to share with you that a week ago, in this room, at the conclusion of Sam's message, an individual in our young adult group who had been struggling, wrestling, questioning, sort of pushing God away, and his words to Sam and to Brian was, because of Sam's message and God's word and the power of God, it just came together for me. It clicked. And in his own simple way, what do you say? He crossed the line of faith. He surrendered his life. He said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to begin this lifelong relationship with you. And so we have an individual who last week, prior to the message, walked in here seeking God, not knowing the joy of what it means to receive and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And last week, this this individual experienced the amazing joy of Jesus coming into his life. Let's give God a great hand for that. That's joy. That's joy. And here's the crazy thing. In Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus is doing these three parables. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the prodigal. It says in Luke chapter 15, 10, when one sinner repents, the angels Rejoice. No, they throw a party. A party. So at least we can clap when an individual comes into the kingdom and joins God's forever family. That's joy. So when I heard that from Brian this week, I was just blown away. So excited. And I asked the individual, can I share your experience anonymously? And the person said yes. So, men and women, do me a favor. Would you stand up? Uh, stand up. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a closing song. It's a song you know. Joy to the world. Come on, sing it with me. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart.
heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Lord Jesus, you are joy. You bring joy to us, and you even say to the fullest. And tonight we just, just cry out to you, we're needy, we're lacking. So use these words, use your scripture, use however your spirit would move, pouring the fruit of the joy of the spirit into our lives. And may we be a people that just delight in you, Jesus, as well as just represent to a world this idea that Jesus is alive and his people are alive. And we are men and women who are filled with the joy of God in our lives. Be with us now as we move into our small groups and pray this in your name. Amen.